Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Chris, the lead pastor. For those of you who are new to us or watching online for the first time, uh, we want you to know that we are ready for you. And I want to tell everybody who is a regular attender at New Life, if you haven't heard this, I'm sure you probably have, the galaxy is open for business. Amen. Yeah, we've been waiting a long time. Your prayers, our prayers have been answered. I'm wearing this shirt, which if you see somebody in this shirt, ordinarily, except for me, that means that they are a child care worker, and so they're over there, or a leader, a teacher, and they're with your children. We did this. It's, a, it's sort of one of the things that's really cool about it is if somebody's over there who doesn't have one of these shirts on, then we know they shouldn't be over there, you know, unless they're a little kid. So it's sort of a way that we can keep a check on that because the building is sort of big. Um, and uh, this Tuesday, I just have to tell you this real quick. This Tuesday, um, we had our inspection, our final inspection. And uh, at the end of the inspection, it looked like it was going to fail because we had four sinks in four different rooms that were three inches too high. And uh, so the guy, actually Ed Sell, I think, convinced the, the inspector to call his supervisor. And for the first time in my recollection, common sense prevailed, and they gave us a 90-day conditional occupancy. So we have 90 days to lower the four sinks three inches. I think we can get that done in 90 days. Uh, so anyway, so not Tuesday night, this happened like 2.30 in the afternoon. Tuesday night at 6.30, there were 95 teenagers here for uh, New Life students. Yeah. And then Wednesday night, we had our first um, small group night here. There was the men's group, the women's group, the singles group, the couples group, and the, the new uh, pilot group for the new um, church member class. And so I think there was over 100 people here again Wednesday night. Then Thursday night, we had Celebrate Recovery. And then last night, we gave the building a break, and we're here again tonight. And uh, we're not going to give that building much of a break in the, in, the, in the months and years ahead. So... Thank you for your faithfulness in prayer, in giving, in everything, and we're going to need to continue that. And, and if you really, really like this shirt, more importantly, if you love Jesus and you love children, I'm sure they're going to need some new workers as the church continues to grow. So that's, that's, I'll, I'll leave that aside, but I had to say, we need to take time. I'm really bad at taking time to just to say, wow, this is so cool, you know, celebrating what God has done. So we're going to take that moment. It's over with. For now, <laughs> till tomorrow, I get to do it three more times. I get to celebrate three more times. So tonight, we're talking about emotions. We're talking about anger. So how many of you, or when was the last time you were angry? Was it on your way in as you were driving into church or once you got to the parking lot and there wasn't the space that you usually have? Was it because your alarm went off at 5.30 this morning because you forgot to turn off, you know, your automatic alarm and it's Saturday, but uh, that's it? Anger is just an emotion. But it gets a bad rap because it can lead us quickly to the dark side, right? Whenever anger is used the wrong way, it can take us very quickly down a path that we don't want to be on. So uh, as we look at this whole thing of anger, uh, and, and obviously the series is called Inside Out. The name for the series came from the, the cartoon movie Inside Out. And does anybody, did anybody see the movie, by the way? Anger was this little red guy, square guy, you know, and every time something went wrong, like his, his head like blew off or else he, he had fire coming out of his head. And when I saw that movie for the first time, I thought of my dad. And uh, my dad, 
exploded like that all the time. And it didn't really take much. I mean, if he bumped his own coffee and spilled it, boom, he exploded. If he looked in the rearview mirror and saw my brother Ken and I looking cross-eyed at each other, he exploded. And so whenever, um, you know, in, in the movie, little red guy's in Riley's head, right? Well, I sat across from the dinner table from anger every single night my dad was home, which um, actually my brother Ken and I were sort of thankful that my dad worked away a lot because he wasn't there for that to happen. But having that kind of start in my life, seeing that as the role model, by the time I was five, guess what happened every time something happened that I didn't like? You know, anger wasn't second nature to me. It was first nature. And uh, when I went to school, I found out that anger isn't really accepted very much there. So I would, I would bottle it up until I got home, and then I'd be little Clyde. That's my dad's name, little Clyde, you know. And mostly I was a happy-go-lucky, extroverted little kid. You can probably picture that because I'm sort of that way still as an adult. But then something would go wrong, and boom. And when I turned 12, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. And I'd like to tell you that as soon as that happened, all the anger went away. In fact, I expected it to because I thought once I trusted Jesus as my Savior and Lord, it would be over, but it wasn't. And I'd like to tell you that it went away when I was 18 or when I was 21 and I got married to Nancy or whenever I got ordained to be a pastor when I was 28 or 27, I never can remember. And I'd like to tell you that it went away certainly when I was 31 and we had Abby, our first child, but, but it didn't. The anger didn't go away. And I prayed for it all, this, all that time. I mean, obviously, I knew what to do, but it just didn't seem to go away. So tonight, we're going to look at our take-home point because in place of anger, what we want to have in our life is peace and contentment. But the take-home point, and if you're, you know, if you're new, the take-home point is the one point I'm going to make in the message that I hope we'll think about, pray about, you know, and hopefully it will change us uh, as we think about it in the week ahead. But here it is. Anger is natural. We already said that. It's just a natural emotion. Peace and contentment are supernatural. Anger, as all emotions, is natural. But to overcome anger in our lives, we need the supernatural peace and contentment that only can come from God. And what we're going to do tonight is we're going to go back to Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 24. If you were here last week, it was the same passage of Scripture we used to kick off the series. We're going to look at it again. And remember what we said last week. There are these two forces inside of every follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit and the old sinful nature that's still in there even after we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. And so that battle is going on in our lives even right now. And, and what we find out is that the spirit and the sinful nature continue this war throughout life. And Paul tells us, the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Galatians, tells us how to overcome it. How to let the Holy Spirit lead instead of letting you know, whatever the, whatever the sinful desire of the flesh is. But before we turn back there to the scriptures, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and love. I want to thank you again for um, the blessing of, of the galaxy and of all the people that work there and all the children who are attending there tonight. God, I thank you for the faithfulness of the people sitting here and, and uh, the ones that will be coming tomorrow who have given and prayed and worked and done so many different things to make that happen. And God, tonight as we focus in on what it means to be your follower and what it means to let your Holy Spirit lead in our lives, I pray, God, that that very Spirit will transform us from the inside out and that we will experience your peace and contentment if anger happens to be an emotion that gets away from us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul writes, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. 
The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Remember what I said last week? I used the example of myself. I said, this is the Holy Spirit. This is Chris Marshall's sinful nature. They go into a, a wrestling match. The referee blows the whistle, and what you'd expect is, boom, the Holy Spirit pins Chris Marshall right to the floor, but that's not what happens. And here's the challenge. It'll be up on the screen, and it is this. The Holy Spirit will not force us to submit to his control. The battle doesn't go on between the Holy Spirit and and our sinful nature. The battle goes on between my sinful nature and my allowing the Holy Spirit to lead by voluntarily submitting my will to his. That's the struggle that's going on inside of us. And for many of us who lived under the control of anger before we became followers of Jesus Christ, it didn't just automatically switch. I mean, it wasn't like one day we were angry and the next day we weren't because this struggle is going on. In fact, the struggle doesn't stop when we trust Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Hear this very carefully. That's when it starts. The struggle starts when the Holy Spirit comes in because before the Holy Spirit comes in, there is no struggle. We're just living in the flesh. When the Holy Spirit comes in, that's when the struggle takes place. So the Apostle Paul reminded us of what happens when the Holy Spirit's in charge. We we said it was sort of a tangent, but it's an important tangent. He said, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. So living in the Spirit not only gives us victory over the sinful nature, but it means we don't even need laws. Because people who are spirit-led live righteously. We live in right relationship with God and others, and we live in a right direction as we're living out our lives. So the Apostle Paul told us the spirit-lived life is not automatic. This struggle goes on, and he tells us what it's like when the sinful nature's in charge and what's it like when the Holy Spirit's in charge, and and he divided that into two little sections, and we're going to do that again tonight. So... If you're following along, it's in verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you look at that list closely, what do you see? You see that many of these things are directly related to anger. Hostility, quarreling, outbursts of anger, dissension, and division. Most of the others also derive from or at least have a component of anger in them. But I want to be clear about something. Anger is not always wrong. Anger is not always wrong, um, but so many wrong actions are fueled by inappropriate anger. When is anger appropriate? Well, if we see somebody abusing a child, we get angry. We ought to. When we see in our lives injustice personally or or even at a national or international level, there's something inside of us that says that's wrong and we get angry, and it should. And if we read the four Gospels, what we find is Jesus got angry. In fact, one of the things that made Jesus angry a lot was the religious leaders of his day. One day, this guy came into a synagogue where Jesus was preaching, and he he wanted Jesus to heal him. But the religious leaders had said, you can't heal people on the Sabbath, on on the day where you worship, because that's a day of rest. You're not allowed to work on the Sabbath. So when Jesus saw this guy, he had a withered hand, and so he looked at the religious leaders and he said, is it okay to do good on the Sabbath or is it okay to do evil? And then he, he looks around waiting for them to respond in some way. The question was simple, should I heal this guy or not? 
and they wouldn't answer. So here's what happens. If you have, it's in Mark chapter 3, verse 5. It says this. He looked around at them in anger. We're talking about Jesus, our Lord and Savior. He looked at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. So anger has a place in our lives. It can move us to right the injustices that we see around us. But far more often what happens is anger just explodes in inappropriate ways and inappropriate places and inappropriate times. Um, and, and so we need to make sure that there's something that's going to give us an understanding of whether it's appropriate or inappropriate to be angry, angry, and that is the Holy Spirit. So here's what Paul says if we continue on in, in Galatians chapter 5. It says in verse 22 and 23, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. So all nine aspects of the fruit of the Spirit will help us with anger. Love will, joy will, peace will. But why did I choose, I said anger's natural, but peace and contentment are supernatural. Why did I pick peace out of all of the nine aspects of the Holy Spirit to combat anger? Here's the reason. Because peace doesn't just mean the absence of conflict as it's used in the Bible. The word peace means there's this sense of overwhelming, everything's going to be okay, even if nothing is okay. And so that's sort of a contented heart. So peace and contentment is what we're talking about, and that can only come from the Holy Spirit. So let's remember something. Paul tells us who experiences the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. He says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. So if we're going to overcome our emotions rather than letting them get the best of us, we must belong to Jesus Christ. He must be Lord and Savior in our lives. Lord means he's the owner. Savior means he saves us from sin and death. This is not a self-help series. There is no help for selves that are living in the sinful nature. There's no help for that. Now, now, certainly, we could take an anger management course, and many of us probably need to. But that will not change the inside of us. It will just change the way we respond to the outside stuff. What changes us from the inside out is Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit living in us. Now, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at another illustration. He uses the fruit of the Spirit, the Apostle Paul does, with the Galatians, but he uses another image of what it's like when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. And I'm going to use this picture because he talks about taking off an old piece of clothing and putting on a new piece of clothing. So here's the old piece of, this is my old sinful nature, okay? I'm living in my old sinful nature. I chose black because, it, you know, we think of it that way, but really sin is red, and you can prove that in the Bible. But anyway, so this is the old life that I'm living. It's, and, and the thing is, as I read this, you're going to understand why I did this. It says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and de deception. So do you see the picture? He says, throw off your old sinful nature and the lust and the deception that go with it. And, and if you do that, I guess basically... We're going to understand the same thing he told the Galatians, that we don't change. There's a sinful nature inside. We've got to get rid of it. And so here's, the, here's what's in your outline. We can't change our old nature. I said that last week. I'm no different than I was when I was five years old in my sinful nature. It doesn't change. 
We must throw it off, which is another way of saying to replace it. With what? Well, Paul tells us. He says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So notice where the renewal takes place. In our minds and in our attitudes or our thoughts and our attitudes. So what he's saying there is renewal takes place in a very specific place in our lives. In the way we think and the attitude that we have as we live our lives. So the Holy Spirit comes in when we're born again. The reason I can say that is because there is only one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when we're born again, we don't just get Jesus. We get Jesus, but we get the Father and we get the Holy Spirit as well. And the Holy Spirit starts to renew our thoughts and our attitudes as we give him permission. And we change from the inside out. Our thoughts and our attitudes are internal. But as we give the Holy Spirit control, it's like putting on our new clothes. So I'm going to use the illustration here real quickly. Um, So I take off the old clothes. I put on the new clothes. So just as you can see the difference between that old clothes and the new clothes, you can see the difference when somebody's attitude and somebody's thoughts change. It's not immediate. It's not just like that. It would be so nice if it was. We throw off the old, we have the new, and now we're not angry, and now we're none of these problems, and we don't need to have any sermons anymore, right? Because we don't need to be reminded because we do it perfectly. Now, I'm not taking off my new life just because, you know, because I want to make another point. I'm just taking off because it's hot, and plus I don't like wearing jackets. Okay, so... So that point, hopefully, has been made As we change from the inside out, people start to see the changes. And what Paul said to the Ephesian Christians, he's going to tell them two things that happen when you throw off the old and you put on the new. And the first one, he says, so stop telling lies. Remember, he's writing to Christians. He says, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Now, when the fruit of the Spirit works in our lives, apparently we stop lying to people. Now, we stop lying to all people over time, but we especially stop lying to our neighbors, our brothers and sisters in Christ, because we are members of the same body. Paul loved the illustration for the church of the body of Christ. He said, we are the body of the Christ, he's the head, and we are all members. And so we relate to each other, and as we relate in the spirit, we stop lying to each other. Now, small groups are a great place for this to happen, because as we get in a small group and we start to talk about our lives with each other, and as we start to trust each other more and more, we start to develop in those small groups that kind of relationship that Pastor Mark talked about as a keeper relationship, a relationship where people know all about us, where they have our backs, where they know our darkest secret, and and they love us anyway. But that kind of relationship can only develop when we're honest with people, when we tell them the truth, right? And so that's supposed to happen more and more as we continue to live in the Spirit, as we continue to fellowship with each other. And so what happens is in that environment where we're honest with each other and we're encouraging each other, we can overcome anger together. And look what it says. It says this, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Did anybody ever hear that verse before? Anybody heard that? Almost everybody's heard that verse, right? But when you hear that verse, what you think it means is, Justin, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Or or George, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Or Chris, don't let the sun go down on your anger. That's not what it means at all. It's not singular. It's plural. It's like, hey, Yuns, 
don't let the sun go down on Yunzu's anger, right? That's what he's saying. All of you together, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't get angry. You know, in your anger, don't sin. What he's saying is we tend to, in groups, we tend to sin and get angry. I mean, we all tend to sin, but we get angry as we sin. And so if I get angry at you, you tend to not only get angry at me, but you get angry at other people. I'm sure you've seen that when you've been driving a car, right? Somebody honks a horn, then somebody else honks a horn, then pretty soon there's this symphony of, of horn honking, right? And we've all heard about the mob mentality, or, or we've maybe even been part of it where the mob does something evil that nobody would do if they were just on their own. It, 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 it escalates. It's like the, the little red anger thing, you know, it turns into a volcano when we all do it together. And so what Paul says is, no, you can't be doing that because you are living your life together. So let's go back to my lifelong anger problem that I had since I was, I don't know if it was since I was born, but certainly since I was five, and it continued to, to be there all, all throughout my life. Now, when I would display that anger... It would impact Nancy. It would impact my children. It would impact anybody who was in my path, really. And sometimes that would escalate into things that were not good, right? And so you would think that as a pastor, I would have figured it out that all you have to do is pray. Well, I prayed. You know, count to 10. I counted to 100. You know, it didn't matter. how. When I was done, I was still angry, right? I, I asked other people to pray for me. I knew that the fruit of the Spirit was love, joy, peace, patience, and that if I just prayed for that and I had that in my life, that everything would change and the anger would go away. But none of that seemed to last for very long. Then when I was 50, just 11 years ago, when I was 50, I read a book called Change Your Heart, Change Your Life by Dr. Gary Smalley. And the premise of the book is actually exactly the same as Ephesians chapter 4, 23 to 24. We read it earlier. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. In all my life, I had seen and lived out inappropriate anger. What Dr. Smalley pointed out is these experiences wrote anger on my heart. So, some people only have, like, easels. We have drum things. I think that's pretty cool. Okay, so anger. But it didn't just get on my heart one time. It got on my heart hundreds of times, then thousands of times. And so what happened was, my heart looked like this. Now, I'm talking about my born-again heart. I'm talking about the heart where Jesus is already in there, but anger is in there, too. It was almost like carved in there. And what, what Dr. Smalley says, you know, my natural response was anger. It was like, you know how they say you have to have 10,000 hours of doing something before you become an expert? Whew, I was a real expert at anger. All right? So what Dr. Smalley said, it sounded so simple, I didn't think it was going to work. What he said is you just have to overwrite something onto the anger from God's word and from God's heart. And so I knew there were dozens of scriptures about anger. I could quote most of them to you right now. But what I also knew was in the, when the anger was ready to flare up, I wasn't going to quote 10 scriptures about anger and how bad it is. So I decided to choose a simple one. You're going to recognize it. I didn't even write it out because as soon as I put it up here, you're going to remember the one that it is, right? The golden rule in all things do to others as you would have them do to you. So what happened was I would pray, pray, Father, in all things, let me do to others as, you would have them ha as I would have them do to me. Father, and I would do this. I mean, I'm talking about 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times over a period of several months. And when a situation came up, and it didn't, I mean, it could have been just that thing falling off the thing. I would say, Father, let me do what I, you know, what I would want somebody to do if, if that happened. And I was watching. Okay, so over and over and over and over again. And what happened was within a few months, the change actually started to be noticeable. People started being able to tell that there was a difference. And uh, people that have met me in the last five years, you wouldn't even guess that I was an angry guy. You just wouldn't because I haven't been smoking hot. I haven't even been like mildly warm, although I've been told that I can still cause that effect in others. And I'm working on that. Okay. So when the Holy Spirit changes our attitude, our thoughts, our heart, what happens is it impacts the whole church family. It really impacts the whole church family. Because when I stop reacting in anger to everybody and I start responding as if I wanted how I want you to respond, then you're going to give that back to me as well. Because I'm not an isolated person in this church. And you're not an isolated person in this church. We're all a family. We're members of each other. And if one's hurting, we're all hurting. If one's rejoicing, we're all rejoicing. That's what Paul says in another letter to a church in a place called Corinth. But anyway... When the Holy Spirit started doing that, people didn't know how to respond. It confused people. And the people closest to the home were the most confused. My daughter, Abby, actually didn't like it. She, she said to me, she said, you know, Daddy, I really like the old you better because you would blow up, but then you'd be your usual joking self. Now you, you look like you're on a sedative all the time. <laughs> and, and it was true. I, all my emotions flattened out for a period of time. But now I've had 11 years of practicing it. So now the Holy Spirit has taken control of the anger and the same person who was always there, that usual joking self, is still there. Now, and I know some of you who only see me in church think I'm a pretty intense character, and I am, but I'm also, I enjoy a good joke and I enjoy a bad joke and I tell most of them. But anyway, you know, I, I really like to laugh and I, I hope that other people, you know, like to laugh too. And if, if they don't, the part of me that's still there, I don't really care, you know. <laughs> Um, so anyway, that wasn't in my sermon. Okay. So why am I talking about myself so much and about this? It makes it sound like I'm the good person in this. The reason is because I want you to understand something. I still have a lot of problems in that little list of, you know, the sinful nature that I'm working on. And anger still wants to crop up every single day. I don't want you to think like it's over, done with, I'm never going to have that happen again. In fact, today was a day that was designed, I think, to make me angry. Now, I wonder who would have done that. But it didn't. didn't succeed. In fact, I went to the bank twice because I left my checkbook on the counter the first time. And when I went back, the teller told me that I'm one of the most pleasant people she knows. Isn't that cool? So anyway, um, she doesn't see me very much. But anyway. There's a difference, and I want you to understand whatever it is that you're working through, the power of the Holy Spirit can change you from the inside out. And that's really like the last main point is let the Holy Spirit lead your life and the deeds and emotions of the sinful nature won't, whatever it is. But tonight we're talking about anger, and I know from my personal experience that more than half the people I've ever met have an anger problem. And I would guess it's more like 80%. And so we need to work together because that's what the scripture is all about we need to work together to help each other to let the holy spirit lead in our lives and we see when somebody isn't 
We need to call each other on that because that's part of what the keeper person does. I guess that's more like the compass person, but we all need all of those aspects in our lives, right? So, I'm always in favor of doing whatever you can do in the natural to become a better person. But what I have found out in my own life's experience is only the supernatural power of God, the Holy Spirit, can change us from the inside out. And I've experienced in that one particular area, I've experienced in others, but that's the one we're talking about tonight. And so if you're in the situation where anger is always welling up and that thing falling over, which didn't fall over anymore, would have, you know, lit your torch, then because whenever you have a really bad anger problem like my dad and me and my grandfather and my great-grandfather did, um, it doesn't take a big thing to set it off. It just takes anything. And so as we let the Holy Spirit into our heart, which happens when we ask Jesus to be Savior and Lord in our lives, then what happens is we are indeed transformed. And it's not instantaneous. The transformation is instantaneous. Salvation is instantaneous. The transformation, in my case, just in the anger thing, took me from the time I was five when I recognized it until I was six, uh, 50 years old. That's 45 years. I pray that it won't take you that long. Some people learn quicker than others. Actually, some people yield themselves to the Holy Spirit quicker than others. It doesn't have to take very long at all. So here's today's next step, which used to be called the commitment. I will live in peace and commit contentment this week. Now, maybe it should say we will live in peace and contentment this week, right? Because it shouldn't just be an isolated thing. But I or we will live in peace and contentment this week. And remember, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And, and all of those things work towards any emotion that's leading us down the wrong path. But all we have to do, all we have to do, <laughs> sounds so simple it is. It sounds so easy it isn't. It's just say, Holy Spirit, I yield myself to you. Take over. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have sent the Holy Spirit to every believer in Jesus Christ. Thank you so much that we have victory because our sinful nature has been nailed to the cross and we just need to claim it. God, I pray for everyone here, everyone watching online who has struggled or is struggling with anger. God, I know intimately what that's like. And I pray that you will pour your Holy Spirit and write your word on our hearts that we might have victory. Whatever word it is that you give to each individual person, we know that it will come from your word. And we know that in the power of the Holy Spirit, it will bring transformation. God, I pray tonight that anybody in the room who has never yielded their life to Jesus Christ will do that so that they will have the Holy Spirit inside. And so they will have, yes, there will be a struggle, but there's the potential for victory. And that's what I, I pray for every person. In Jesus' name, amen.